0: You're listening to Episode 79 of the Musicpreneur Mindset
1: Podcast.
0: Hey, we're Sub Radio.
1: You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of The Rockstar Advocate.
0: Hello, you're listening to Episode 79, Musicpreneur Spotlight, Robonzo. I'm your host, Suze, a mindset coach helping music professionals get clear on their goals and find the time to get it all done while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Balance is a very personal thing. It looks different for everyone. Sometimes a person looking in on your life may not see any semblance of balance or any cohesion between the things you do as you build the career that you want. Sometimes you may even surprise yourself with how your career is coming together and the turns it's taken throughout the years. But at the end of the day, what matters is that you're doing or aiming to do what you love and learning along the way how to get closer to that lifestyle you deem to be balanced and fulfilling. This week's spotlight is on Roberto Hernandez, better known as Robonzo, a drummer, host of the Unstarving Musician podcast, and author of The Unstarving Musician's Guide to Getting Paid Gigs. A few months back, I had the pleasure of being a guest on his podcast, and a link to that episode, as well as a link to free access of a chapter of his book, can be found in this episode's show notes page, therockstriveagate.com forward slash EP79. For over 15 years, he's been a session musician and live performer, creating sustainable streams of income for himself through gigging, hence writing a book on how to do just that, and then expanded into creating a podcast that provides musicians with greater insight into how other musicians build their careers and income streams. In addition, he offers coaching to musicians who want to start getting paid more regularly for playing live while growing their audience along the way. His career may seem extremely varied to some, as he himself will tell you. The beauty in his winding career path is that it allows him to have a fuller understanding and appreciation for what musicians go through in this business, and it enables him to provide a unique perspective as well as useful tips to making money as a full time musician. As you listen to our conversation, you'll notice one strong thread throughout the importance of serving others. That is the guiding light that connects all that Robonzo does, and without it, I'm sure his varied career would feel out of balance and unfulfilled. I'm sure you'll find a lot of inspiration in what he has to share with us, and afterwards, I have some questions I'd love you to answer, so stick around at the end. In the meantime, here is Robonzo. Well, Robonzo, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: You've got a really great varied background. And I've told our audience about it just a minute ago. What I'm most curious about given all of your experience being a live performer is after 15 plus years of experience being on stage, what is the biggest takeaway you've learned about this whole area of the business?
1: Sure. And and thank you for the whole varied background thing. I always get this, you know, when I'm Speaking to people like yourself or even all the folks I have on my podcast, you know, I had a short list because I thought about this ahead of time, but probably the the number one thing is serve, serve, serve. And by that, I mean um, serve your bandmates, serve your your audience, serve your venue and anyone else who's in the in the picture, you know, crew, because uh, that'll just pay dividends the day of and, and many days after.
0: I think that's so great. We we often talk on here about the whole giver's gain mentality and, you know, coming from a place of service. I think that that's fantastic for somebody with your experience and expertise in that, that that's your biggest takeaway. That speaks volumes. How did you and how do you continue to sustain gig after getting, and I and I don't mean just monetarily because obviously you've built a great business doing that and it's something that you teach your audience, but how do you sustain mentally, emotionally, physically, like what's something that you do to make that happen?
1: (laughs) Oh man, I was going to say that's easy, but then in my head I backed (laughs) up really quick because I had a a recent uh, experience where I just, I didn't feel like I I was in a good fit situation. So probably the way to really stay uh, into it is to make sure that you're doing things that make you happy, make sure you're at the right gig, be exactly where you want to be. And sometimes you you got to test things out and try it. And um, mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, you know, keep on serving and uh, and uh, you bow out if you have to.
0: And what are some of those things, like what does serving look like to you? If you can give us some examples, whether it's on stage or off stage or both.
1: Yeah, in the moment, on stage, one of the things that has served me well to use that word again, but is to really pay attention to what is happening sonically with my bandmates on stage, because in the moment when, when we're doing our thing, listening to them makes all the difference in the world for me and uh, helps me serve the whole, the whole show, if you will, the, the audio experience. And, you know, beyond that, I, we have to look at everyone as a team member, right? So, uh, you know, um, I, it's been a long time, but I used to run into people that were just really didn't give a lot of thought to how they were dealing with venues that they were booking at or sound and lighting crew people. This really matters. I mean, uh, when we're, we're, we're all working together, even down to in the venues, even down to the wait staff, if you're in one of a place that has that kind of thing going on everyone there is your, your advocate. Um, so yeah, that's top of top of the head answer.
0: What happens when you feel like, you know, the audience just isn't connecting or maybe the people in your band who you're playing with, or they're just out of sync. I mean, what, what, is there anything you do to kind of ground yourself or not get, not let it throw you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like what happens when those gigs just don't align the way you were hoping?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, sometimes you, you remind yourself about that paid rehearsal concept, uh, because sometimes, you know, that maybe the audience isn't there literally or figuratively, um, with what's going on. Maybe some of your bandmates aren't, aren't totally there or they're not as, um, for whatever reason, they're not necessarily serving what's happening on stage or, you know, listening to what's going on. And, Boy, sometimes it's just as simple as finding someone else in the band who's finding some humor in all this and trying not to take (laughs) yourself so seriously. Because, and that's been you know that's been one of my personal things that I always remind myself of and think about a few of my close friends who are musicians that are so great at constantly, constantly, constantly lifting up others around them on stage and and in rehearsals. Uh, Because I have like you know probably a lot of others who listen to this. I have a. Um, a propensity for taking myself a little too seriously, or my craft a little too seriously, sometimes. And I think it, it's uh, it's helpful to step back, whether you can do it right then in the moment or afterwards, just to kind of replay the whole thing in your head and and uh, remember, don't take everything so seriously. It Makes it all <laughs> a little better.
0: <laughs> totally. So are there are there things that you do maybe right before a gig or maybe during rehearsals to prepare sure. to keep all of that in the front of your head?
1: Well, you know, you you said one word, prepare. Preparation is probably my number two, you know, biggest thing I've learned. And with a lot of preparation, everything tends to fall into place much, much easier. But, and, you know, I've learned so much from making so many mistakes over the years. And, you know, we have to kind of forgive ourselves and learn and try to learn from all those things. But um, also just trying to be as sharp as I can the day of or the night of and, little things you know learn learn all the time one of my friends i mentioned before we started recording Mike Dawson who's managing editor at at Modern Drummer and he's a prolific musician session guy recording guy i heard him on his podcast once saying that he'd recently started doing some sort of zinc or vitamin C supplement for his later night or late night gigs and you know and he doesn't drink when he's doing these i don't know that he drinks that much at all anyway but Uh, little things like that. He said, you know, his bandmates would often just be dead tired at the end of these really late nighters. And he he noticed he was feeling a lot, a lot better. So again, just kind of picking up all the tips you can along the way.
0: (laughs) Totally. I, you know, I find it interesting. Sometimes musicians just forget to ask one another, like, Hey, what did you do to prepare? Like, that was a great show. Like, did you have any, you know, any tips to share? Sometimes we forget that, we've got that network right in front of us at at the gigs we go to to share tips and swap you know what works and what doesn't and that that's great that you've been able to pick up those things from other people
1: yeah. And you're reminding me, I need to ask those friends of mine that I <laughs> admire so much who are constantly lifting up others, myself included, like, how do you do that? Why do you, why, what's your motivation? I just want to know. It's, it's so beautiful and I've never asked them. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think we just get so, I mean, I don't know the exact reason for it, but I think we, we all just get so focused on, on our own stuff. And I, and I think there's also some, sometimes musicians give each other a bad rep for, for having competition, or for like, well, if I, you know, they're not going to want to share that with me, or I don't want to pry. But so many, so many are just really can't wait for somebody to ask them.
1: <laughs> I mean, gosh, I know some really great musicians that I've been surprised to to find that they are a little withholding mm. at times. But um, I think if we just keep giving, you know, usually you'll find it comes back.
0: Yeah, I've noticed. You know, sometimes even with with just industry professionals, um, you know, at conferences, uh, I've had to train myself that if I do ask and they are standoffish about it, I have to remind myself, you know, that it says more about them and just maybe what they've been through, maybe they've been burned before. And so they're hesitant. So then I usually, if I, if I get that resistance, then I end up just offering something, as you said, like coming from a place of service and saying, okay, you don't have to share, but you know, here's a tip that I do that, even if it's not related to the question I asked, you know, just to offer something. So it's, it's like waving the white flag, like this is safe. I'm not here to like take your spot or, you know, take something without giving credit or, you know, something like that. So yeah, it's like that turn the other cheek thing. It's like give and give. And if somebody, doesn't want to give give some more. <laughs> it always worked out.
1: <laughs> totally and and sometimes it helps to remind people and ourselves that somebody's always going to like them better or you better or right. you whatever the situation calls for. That's just a fact. So it doesn't matter if you and I for instance were in the exact same markets, right, uh, and and there was potential for some sort of competition. It just doesn't matter because at the end of the day, some people are going to dig Sue's a lot better,
0: <laughs> or bonzo You know, sometimes you just, <laughs> you click with who you click with, and there's not always an explanation for it. Um, that's, right. that's wonderful. So speaking of and giving and serving and 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 sharing your talents and expertise. What made you go from gigging and making a good income to then saying, you know, I'm going to coach? Because again, we think a lot of people are just like, oh, I found the secret sauce and I'm just going to keep this to myself. But what made you say, no, it's time to to start coaching others through this and, and teaching them what I've learned? And how, how did that all get started? Kind of walk us through that process.
1: It started with an idea for a book because uh, when I was in the Silicon Valley area playing music there, it's got kind of a vibrant... You know, blues and pop scene there, and um, I, I was uh, have always been a working musician, a gigging musician, a, a drummer specifically. So, not much songwriting. My work is with both covers and and original acts. So, I noticed that some of the people around me who I talked to on a regular basis, as I was expanding my my network in the music scene, I, I'd run into people that you know kind of had a down attitude about either venues or you know some of the people that they worked with. And what it amounted in is they were struggling to do to, to play as much as they wanted to. And then there was this revelation one year that uh, before the end of December had come, that I had my entire, uh, well, not my entire, but I had gigs booked for the entire following year, every month of the year. And it had just occurred to me that I bet you, you know, at least some of my friends would like to know how that worked for me. And as I started putting pen to paper, um, so to speak, I got an idea that I bet others would like, you know, would like to know how I did it or would be interested in my take, uh, you know, in my experience and how it all happened for me. And then I discover some online marketers and because I'm thinking, oh, this would be I must have at that time, you know, when I was about finished with the book, I must have had a thought of like, I wonder if I could turn this into something a little bigger that serves a, a community and not just a book. And somewhere in there, I ran into some online podcasters and then came the encouragement, you know, to, to do more with it. Uh, the fir- Perhaps the first thing was, you've got to start a podcast. So I started the Unstarving Musician podcast. And then it, it just sort of went natural from there. I had to find the exact niche. I was pretty close when I started, but it's it's narrowed down a little bit. And it may go, go through some changes again. But what it's evolved to for me has been, uh, you know, I talk to all these indie artists who go through you know the various challenges that they do and they learn the various things that they do so i try to have conversations with them about those specific things every week uh so that they can share with their peers and their fans can check into and hear it and as you alluded to they're you know entrepreneurial people and 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 just people with feelings at the end of the day so that's that's kind of how I got here. And then, you know, there's been, I never thought of myself as a coach and, you know, thanks for saying that. (laughs) Um, it's kind of, that's been something that's evolved as well. Just trying to figure out ways to sustain the whole thing and, and serve people in different ways that I can. So I have gotten into coaching and, and I'm still looking at the different, you know, types of things that, that, um, uh, that I might do. You and I offline were talking about, I was asking you for tips on public speaking and things like that. So just an ever evolving process.
0: What I love about that, that you just said was, you know, you had this need, this urge to serve and share what you've learned and you didn't sit there waiting and say, well, I don't know how I'll structure it or I don't have a full business in mind yet? Or am I a coach? Am I this? Let me sit and think about what exactly I am and what exactly to call myself. It's just, you know, these things grow organically and we don't have to wait until we have every single answer. You know, like I, I, I always teach about clarity and clarity is, is important, but you just need clarity on the first step. It's like, okay, I, I want to write a book. And as you started that evolves and changes and morphs into other things but you knew you wanted to start so you made the decision and you took the action and i think that's so important to hear that you're still figuring things out i myself am still figuring things out you know we all are no matter what stage we're at and i think it's so important for people out there thinking maybe i have something to teach but i don't know what it looks like yet just start and and let it guide yeah. itself <laughs> for a little bit
1: yeah yeah absolutely and and things change so fast both in The music um, industry or the music scenes, be they local or if you're trying to look at getting yourself out there on a national or international level. And then the whole online world, which um, musicians more and more are dabbling in and, and people who are more focused on the mentoring side than they are the music side, everything's changing constantly. So... Um, while it's great, and I have done the exercise, you know, to sort of map things, map the ideas out and start pursuing them. It's a long game, just like music and, or that, you know, these are kind of, I'm being reminded of this, that everything's a long game. Um, and by the time you get done with the one phase, things may have changed for the other ones you had big plans for. And you may find that your passion has suddenly evolved in another area altogether.
0: Absolutely. That kind of feeds into, My next question is that as you've been helping and teaching more artists and peers, and as you've been sharing your expertise with your podcast, The Unstarving Musician, which is great. I love the name. And, you know, it just speaks to this mindset, very similar to the musicpreneur mindset, which is, you know, you don't need to starve and you don't need to suffer for your art. You can be thriving and have a sustainable career. Why do you think artists? get stuck in a starving musician mindset. Why do you think the, the default is starving musician?
1: We have to remember it is a long game. Um, and I'm reminded of something one of my guests recently said, and she's testament that it's a long game. She's been playing for probably decades now. She's a prolific artist in the post for the episode. She's basking in the joy of it. It, it also reminds me that we have to um, try to take a wide angle view um, it, it, I guess it's this way with anything though, we have to take a wide angle view and look at all the options and realize that changes, though they may seem sometimes a little off course, they're not, um, they're not an end to the journey. Sometimes they're a needed thing to feed the journey. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically of like, I've had, um, artists who start, maybe had the start stop where they're, they're playing full time and then they got, they ended up getting some sort of day job or a part-time job or they were playing part time and they had a day job. They quit that and then they're thinking about working part time. So we just have to figure these things out. And the cool thing is, is that for musicians now, there are just so many things that we can do to fulfill our interests and and add to the machine that is our art beyond just the making music. Although, you know, for me, ideally, and a lot of people I talk to, I think you know the, the end product of the music is the ultimate. But there's, I talk to so many artists that are get a ton of joy out of doing exactly what you do and mentoring people or uh, managing online communities where they're helping groups of people. So there's a lot of different things we can do.
0: That's great. You know, I have some artists saying to me, like, should I start a podcast? I mean, I know podcasting is big right now, but like, do you want to, does it bring you joy? Does it, is that what lights you up? Or as you said, is managing an online community or just being there for your fellow peers when you're at shows and you have something to offer them. You know, there's so many ways to be impactful and to to grow your own community and to grow your own place in the world uh, and in the industry. I think it, that's so great to keep in mind that there's no one way. When you've talked with other artists or even when you've seen, you know, you've played with so many people and you've shared the stage before so many times, what do you believe is the biggest mistake that artists make when it comes to booking shows or preparing for shows like that? I feel like there's so much that eludes them about being able to sustain as a gigging musician, being able to make a sustainable income from it. You've been able to do it without giving away too many of your secrets. Um, What do you think is is something that really trips them up or something that they don't really think about enough?
1: Well, it started to click when I realized that relationships are such a huge thing and they start really in your music community. So one of the biggest examples or learning experiences I've had, and I've heard it over and over from different people, is when I moved from Dallas-Fort Worth to the San Francisco Bay Area, I didn't know a lot of people there and I just took some time off. And this was a mistake I'd made before, you know, taking time off of playing. So I'm probably not playing for a year or more. Just As fate would have it, I you know my first apartment that my wife and i lived in there happened to be a a, a um an expat from england who was a musician not, not his full time thing but he was a musician and he just you know had a very um enthused attitude about everything musical around and he you know turned me on to a blues jam that was hosted in san jose at a formerly very famous um blues club um called jj JJ's Blues and it was hosted by a phenomenal artist named Laura Price and I remember going there and uh somewhat reluctantly signing up to sit in and I I and you know if you're a drummer it's a big deal to go and be any good at these jams because they just don't see a ton of drummers they see a lot of guitar players and maybe harp players or singers and, and maybe some bass players but in the rhythm section they don't get a lot of people uh, especially drums for some reason I don't know why but so I go play uh, a couple tunes and um she was really kind to me and telling me she'd love for me to come back. You know, I need to come back up. She nicknamed me Dallas because I was from, <laughs> <laughs> from Texas. And uh, so I did that a couple of times and I discovered this um, vibrant community of people who, many of whom didn't play full time, but many of them were just great and you know great players. And one thing leads to another. I start meeting more musicians and I find myself gigging again, but probably the biggest lesson I've learned is learned was that we we have to be actively, um, growing our community, and sometimes we find ourselves moving in life to a new place, like I did. But um, I, I suppose that these music communities, whether they're local or they're on your tour schedule, they're, they're ever changing. So it's good to be aware of that and know that when when one when one scene changes or goes away, another one is very likely to come up, and it's all you know, of course, related to population density of the area. But um, that's a that's a huge thing. I think putting yourself out there and today you know, with with things like Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, we can put ourselves out there so much in a new way. I shouldn't say so much better, but in a new way where we can put our gift out there and start conversations. And, you know, I think we... We absolutely need that face time, and we need to go play live for people um if that's our thing, especially, but being able to showcase your talent in some little videos and and us and um getting immersing yourself in some of those communities is fantastic too.
0: Wow, those are all really great tips when do do you find- when you were saying about population density and the music scenes changing and kind of having your your finger on that pulse is that something you follow now? i mean I'm sure with all your years' experience in this you've you've garnered quite portfolio of relationships at this point to go after certain gigs. But would you recommend artists kind of do some more research on the areas more so than the venues, you know, like the, the area, if the, say somebody was booking a tour, you know, what would you recommend in, in terms of like doing their due diligence with where they reach out to play?
1: Yeah. Well, social communities are great, right? Um, the musician communities in the areas, um, like on Facebook, for instance, uh, are great. Uh, remember to always be building your email list wherever you go, wherever you go. Um, the people that want to keep up with you, let them get, you know, um, serve them through uh, occasional contact with an email. So keep building that because you'll, you'll build momentum over time if you're not already doing that. And if you haven't already, if, if you already have a decent list because you have been touring around or whatever, um, leverage those folks and ask them what they know. Um, if you're, of the style of player who can do you know house shows house concerts um do as shannon curtis uh, does and she she plans her entire year around the release of an album and a house concert tour all based on her community she doesn't she doesn't even play uh you know the the regular venues that i've spent most of my life playing at because she finds that her strongest relationship building and the you know the listening rooms and the strongest fans are at these house shows so that would be um that would be one thing. Um, certainly asking your peers is huge or um, getting to know the people that are playing those places. Uh, you, you and I were talking about that there are tons of people that are super giving and are just not worried about um, any sort of competition nonsense in their head and we'll share so much with you. So always ask.
0: I hope everyone out there has taken some notes, although I'll be uh, listing the uh, bullet points in the show notes. So be sure to go to those as well. What type of mindset do you think is necessary to have in order to build a sustainable career in this industry i mean what what has served you best so far something that you do to get your outlook back to where it needs to be What would you say mindset wise is necessary to uh to keep going in this industry
1: Well, you know, get yourself a mentor, get yourself a coach, also something that happened to me just this week uh, and I think it's because I had a little insomnia, which is not a common event for me but um, I was working on some stuff for the musician community and, and a small business community that I manage, And I just didn't none of the creativity was not happening. So, and then this morning I was listening to um, an, an audio presentation uh, it was for, um, I think it's dharmatalk.org that a friend had turned me on to. And, and the first thing that this person started talking about was the basics, focusing on the basics. And I thought, that's exactly what I did yesterday when I I just could not think of. I didn't feel like I had a drop of creativity in me. But I was working on some emails, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to say, you know, this week. So I went to the basics. I worked on something that had to be done. I worked on the templates for, you know, I started crafting the email, and I'll do this little thing where I'm like, say something amazing here, you know, and I, I basically getting ready to insert um, the content. So getting back to basics is one of the best things we can do. And, and you know, as a musician, sometimes. That's just going back to prep, going back and working on your chops or, or your reading skills, um, or maybe that one thing that's super easy to do that you weren't planning to do today, but maybe you're making some phone calls or sending out some emails to venues because you couldn't think of you, you just couldn't get whatever it is out of you that you had scheduled to get out of you. So taking a break or taking a step back is huge. And which speaks to taking care of yourself. So we just, we really have to take care of ourselves, you know, stay rested, do the things that let you recharge, whether it's taking 10 minutes a day to stare out into the clouds and and do nothing or take a walk with your dog as I do or meditate or whatever your thing is.
0: That's really great. Those are some great tips. and I'll make sure that those bullet points are in the show notes because that's really important stuff, especially the going back to basics. I really, that really resonates. As we wrap up, we have some rapid fire questions Uh that I ask every guest. As you look back, could be in life, could be in your career, however um, specific or general you want to make it. But if you could time travel, what is one lesson you would go back and tell your younger self?
1: I probably would have talked to those around me who were doing what I wanted to do. You know, when I was younger, I, I wanted to play... Music professionally. I wanted to study music. I didn't do those things. Um, Yes, I did end up being a gigging working musician, and people were inviting me to sub all the time, you know, and here I am with this whole podcast thing and community thing. But that wasn't how it started, and I wasn't encouraged. I was encouraged to go to business school, not music school. So I probably would have latched on to people that I were right under my nose, um, to be around them and try to understand what was keeping me. I, I, I know the things that I'll say kept me away, but it's really a, uh, a mindset thing as you say, and, um, a confidence thing and a desire thing. So I would have I done that. And I think that works. That still works today.
0: If you could have one superpower, what would it be?
1: Music theory.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I'm, it's funny I'm a late life um, learner with theory I had just you know I dabbled in some electives because I'm going to business and marketing school right but I dabbled in some electives and music so I had some you know, some basic understandings, but, uh, I picked up a couple of the quintessential, you know, theory books for drummers, for instance, and I'm working my way through those just to, you know, bone up on it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always wish I could just know how to play the piano. Like, I don't want to sit and learn it. I just want to know how to, I just wish I could sit down and it would
1: just come out. That would and be play at the party. Right. right. You know, and just entertain everyone. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you could invite three musicians living or dead to your house for dinner, who would they be?
1: Charlie Watts, drummer from the Stones, um, B one, just because he was Rolling Stone and I guess the whole drummer thing. Um, maybe Cheryl Crow. Love her music. There's a guy, I think his name was Eddie Kramer. He was a big producer of some of the iconic uh or engineer, probably producer, but engineer of some of the iconic albums of the late sixties and and seventies, and there's another uh Brendan Brendan O'Brien, um, another producer who was really doing some iconic things in the 90s, I think it would be really fun to, to learn about them and their musicality and why what they did stood out so much.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, I, I would bring some wine to that dinner. What actionable would you like to leave our guests with? I usually have a worksheet for them, but when I have an interview, I leave it up to the person I'm interviewing and give them a task. What would you like our audience to go do this week?
1: Probably reach out for help um, because, you know, you're struggling somewhere and help is underneath your nose. I think I used that expression earlier, but it it could be Suze. It could be me. It could be one of your bandmates. It could be someone you've never spoken to. It could be one of those online communities we were talking about. But reach out for help um, and consider giving yourself regular exposure to something like a mastermind group um, or a coach.
0: I couldn't have said it any better. It's it's so important just to ask and to, to sure. seek out. So thank you so much for being here and everybody listening. Please go ahead and take that wonderful advice that Robonzo has just given us. Ask for help. And if you'd like help from Robonzo, we have all of his links in our show notes. Please be sure to go follow and subscribe to Unstarving Musician Podcast. It's a wonderful resource. Go listen to it. Reach out to Robonzo on social media And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today.
1: Hey, it was an honor. Thank you very much. Great.
0: If there's another takeaway from this conversation, aside from the importance of serving others, it's to act before you feel ready. Because you'll never feel ready. So do it anyway. I want to thank Rabonzo for sharing his insight with us. And his tips and resources can all be found in the show notes, RockstarAdvocate.com forward slash EP79. I'd also love to know, how do you serve your audience? Or how would you like to serve your audience? Feel free to shoot me an email and let me know. Reach out to suz, S-U-Z, at therockstaradvocate.com and let me know about the impact you'd like to have on your own community. If you're not sure how to make that impact happen, don't worry, we can talk about it and we'll figure it out together. Until next time, Rockstar, have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here next time so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care.